Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just lift our hands to the Lord this morning? Let's thank him for his grace, that amazing grace. Jesus, we love you here today. We're so thankful for your presence. We're so thankful for that grace that's extended to us. We give you praise today. Let's just put our hands together to the Lord if we could. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're worthy. You're worthy, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My, what a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord that is in this place today. Amen. Do you feel his presence today? I'm so thankful that he chose to meet us here. He chose to meet us here doesn't matter where you find yourself at in life in this service. doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. You are not alone, but he's with you. He's for you, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's a powerful and exciting truth. Amen. Well, God bless you. We are, again, excited to be back in Hatchbin. And um, I am so sorry that your pastor's not here. He would do a much better job. Uh, than I would, but uh, you'll just have to endure today. So if we'll stick together, we'll get through it. I do just want to say he he and Sister Boyd are not here, but we are so thankful to have them in our lives, Stephanie and I. I know that you are too, and I am thankful for the opportunity to be here with you today and that he trusted us and asked us to be here. It is such an honor. So we give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd and pray for their continued safety on their journeys. And um, Brother... Kenneth Raley, what a great word this morning. Amen. Amen. That was a great faith-building message. If you missed out, you'll have to catch the recording later. It was a great word, brother. Thank you so much for that. If you would turn with me to the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 7. John, chapter 7, going to start with verse number 37, reading to verse number 39. John chapter 7 verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. By the help of the Lord today, I just want to preach to us for a few moments on this thought, our greatest need, our greatest need. Would you lift your hands with me one more time and let's just welcome the presence of the Lord here. Thank you, Jesus, for the songs that have been sung, for that powerful message of faith that has already been spoken in the morning service. We ask right now that your hand would be on the remainder of this service, this message. Let it penetrate the heart of the hearer. Let us grow in faith 
and we'll give you the praise and glory. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Why don't you greet somebody next to you? Tell them you're happy to see them as you're being seated. Our greatest need. What is a need? We live in a society, and it is especially the case in our Western American mindset, where we often feel we need certain things. I personally need coffee in the morning. If I don't have it first thing, then don't call me yet, don't send me an email. Don't reach out to me, but I have to have coffee. When I get to my office, I brew some coffee, and I sit at the desk in silence with the coffee in front of me, and I just stare straight ahead, and I just sip, drink a cup of coffee before I can get started. I need that. Does anybody else feel me? We live in a society where we feel we need certain things, but if we examine it, we probably don't really need that thing. We think of things that society feels like they need. I'm thinking of the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. Everybody in America needed toilet paper when coronavirus hit. I remember my wife and I went to, at the height of everything, went to Costco, and it was like the apocalypse. We're standing in line, and they're only letting a few people in at a time, and they set this big sign out in front of Costco, and the sign said, no toilet paper, no ground beef, no Lysol, no Lysol wipes, everything was out, and I felt like it was the end of the world, there's no toilet paper, there's no ground beef, we're going to die, I felt like we needed that, but praise God, we're still here today, I guess after all, we didn't need it as bad as we thought we did, did we? It's tough to pass up on an item of which we have interest, especially when it's on sale, because we what? We need it. One of the most dangerous times of year is Black Friday, when all the deals hit just before Christmas. We often find ourselves buying things we most likely don't need, because in the moment, it's hard to resist that thing. You know, when we stop to consider that word, need, it's an extreme word, and it's often misused. Need is defined as to require something because it is essential or very important. Circumstances in which something is necessary in a course of action must or is required. That's what a need is. So to say we need something means we require it. It means that it is essential for our survival and action must be taken to obtain it. So it is with this understanding of the word need that by the help of the Lord, I bring this message to us this morning. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need his spirit in operation in our church every time that the door is open. We need a miraculous outpouring and demonstration of his spirit. It's essential and without it, As the church, we will not survive. His spirit active in the church and in our lives is the greatest need 
of this hour. It is our greatest need. And action, understand this, action is required to obtain it. Action is required to contain it. We have to have divine discontent. Divine discontent. If we're not careful, we can become too comfortable with the status quo. There needs to be a spirit of divine discontent that overtakes us and pushes us to a higher level and greater outpouring of his spirit. In John chapter 4, we read a story of Jesus and his disciples. And in this setting, Jesus is on the move because the Pharisees are out to get him. They're out to corner him, to capture him, because his ministry is blossoming and many are getting baptized. So Jesus, in response to this threat, left Judea with his disciples and they headed towards Galilee. And the Bible says that on this journey, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He looked to his disciples and he says, I know we are on a journey. I know we've got our map and we've got it open and it's showing us the direction we need to go. But I need to make a detour through Samaria. Now this was a a different idea coming from a a Jewish man and a, a rabbi, a teacher. Because the Jews had no business fellowshipping with the people of Samaria. They were part Jew and part Gentile. So to the Jewish culture, they were unworthy of even fellowshipping or speaking with. So this was, this was breaking a barrier by Jesus making a journey through Samaria. But he said to his disciples, he says, I need to go through Samaria. And when he begins this journey with his disciples, Jesus came to the city, which is called Sychar. In John chapter 4, verse 6 through 10, it says, Now, at this place, at Sychar, was Jacob's well. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. So he stopped at this well, and he decided on his long journey that he needed some refreshments. He needed some water. Verse number 7 says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw the water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away to the city. They had left him there to go buy some meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto Jesus, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest of me to drink? Now remember, this was not proper for Jesus to be headed through Samaria anyway. And she recognized this. She said, How is it, first of all, that you're here? Second of all, why are you even speaking to me? And asking of me to give you something to drink. I'm, by your standards, not worthy to even do this. She says, because I'm a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she knew her place in society. But Jesus answered and said unto this woman, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given the living water. You see, Jesus already breaking protocol here as a Jewish man speaking to the woman of Samaria proceeds to give her an idea of who she's dealing with. He says, if you knew the gift of God, if you understood what was before you here, if you understood the opportunity that you had in this moment, and who it is that was speaking to you and saying, give me the drink, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have 
given thee living water. In other words, if only she understood who it was that she was encountering in this monumental moment, she would have asked for something far beyond what she had ever experienced to this point in her life. Now, as Jesus lays out this proposal, as he gives an idea to this woman of who it is she's speaking to and what he can do for her, she gives a curious response in John chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. She says, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Where had he obtained, she's saying, where do you have this living water? And whatever you have, whatever you have, how could it be greater than that which is already here before me in Jacob's well? This well has been here, she's saying, many, many years and served many generations. And it will be here far beyond even our presence in this moment. It's going to serve generations after us. You see, while Jesus was speaking in a spiritual sense of his spirit, he's speaking of what he he came to accomplish, there seemed to be in this woman a level of satisfaction and contentment with the well that was already before her. She had been coming to the same well for years, and thus far it had satisfied her natural thirst. But Jesus answered in verse 13 through 15, He said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, this well that you speak of, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She said in that moment, almost as if the veil was lifted from her face, I'm tired of coming to the same place over and over again and getting what I've always gotten. The well has satisfied me up until this point, but I'm ready for something far beyond what I've experienced. Church, we need to understand that our fathers have built a strong foundation We've benefited from the well, if you will. We come back and we drink from it week after week after week, service after service. We have great services here in Hatchbend. Amen? We still have them. We're going to have great services. And that wonderful water still flows. But we cannot stay content to say, how can there be something greater than this? How can there be something greater than what is already here before us? Look at what we have. Look at the foundation that our fathers have already built. Look at this well that has fed our children and our children's children. Look at the foundation that's been built and that will be here far beyond us and that will continue for generations. If we stay content like the Samaritan woman learned, we will, as Jesus said, thirst again. We will thirst again. And if we become satisfied with what we've experienced so far, then we will dry up and die in a spiritual sense. We need a fresh well. We need living water that flows. We need a revelation like the Samaritan woman to say, Lord, 
Give us water that we thirst not. Give us a living water that springs up and fill us anew each and every time that we come into this place that we thirst not. We must avoid the dangers of contentment because our greatest need is a fresh and mighty move of his spirit. Our greatest need in this generation in 2021 in the apostolic church of Hatchbin is a moving of his spirit. We need it in our lives. Our family needs it. Our community needs it. And we cannot become content with what we've experienced so far. But we need, again, a divine discontent to move us beyond our comfort zone. Because a fresh moving of the Holy Ghost, I propose, is our greatest need. Come on, somebody say it's our greatest need. You still with me this morning? Not only do we need a divine discontent, but we need unity. If we're going to experience a revival of his spirit, we need unity. The New Testament church, we read, was born out of a unified effort in a prayer room. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There wasn't some scattered here and some scattered there. There weren't some that decided to go somewhere else. There were, but those that were there were in a unified effort. And the Bible says, There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, somebody say all, filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. When the 120 faithful entered the upper room for prayer, they were of one accord and in one place. There wasn't division of purpose in the prayer room, but everybody was praying for the same thing. Everybody had the same goal in mind. They were all praying in unison. God, give us a divine visitation. Send us the promise that we have waited for. Send us the promise that Jesus gave us just before ascending back into heaven. They were unified. They were together and they were praying. Church, we will never experience our greatest need, a moving of his spirit, if there is division among the people. Division, the Bible teaches, is of the flesh, and flesh is contrary to the spirit. We need a moving of his spirit. We've got to have unity. We've got to be in unison with the spirit. Paul rebuked the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, saying, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and what? Divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? Our greatest need is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. As the old song said, I don't know if you know it, we used to sing it growing up, a Holy Ghost revival is our survival. If that is the case, our church needs it, our family needs it, and our community needs it. So let's join together in unity and pray for that promise. You're my brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand. Let's go forth into the promise that God has given us. And as Paul said, let's not walk as men according to the flesh. Because as long as there is division, we will not expand and our altars will dry up. We will thirst again. We will thirst again. 
If there is division, we will not elevate to a higher level in his spirit. But we must have unity. Somebody say unity. We must become desperate. We've got to become desperate. The Urban Dictionary defines the word desperate as someone who wants something so badly they will go to extreme lengths to get it. They will go to extreme lengths to get it. How bad do you want a moving of the Holy Ghost? We mentioned at the outset, in the natural sense, we become desperate when we feel like we need something. You've seen the video footage of when the grocery store doors open, and it's almost a primal instinct that takes over when you feel like, if I don't get my hands on that thing, if I don't get my hands on that supply, then, then I'm going to die. And you've seen people literally kill over getting something. You've seen uh, fistfights break out in the stores over just getting a deal, that last-minute deal. It's our, our instinct that when we feel like we need something, we almost become primal and we'll do anything to get it, to protect our family. We will get just that desperate. But in a spiritual sense, I wonder how many of us are desperate for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our church, in our community, and in our families. What lengths are you willing to go for for that living water? What lengths are you willing to go for to get your hands on that living water? I hope you understand that, again, our greatest need is the moving of His Spirit. Our greatest need is a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost I don't want to be content with what we've already had. So with that being said, what are you willing to do to reach that level? God told Moses, Moses said, show me your glory. He had enjoyed up until that point a relationship with God. The Bible says that God spoke to Moses face to face. He had, in other words, a conversation with him. Unlike God enjoyed with any other man, God spoke to Moses completely different. But at one point in, in a communication with God, Moses was there in the spirit and God was dealing with him. And God spoke to Moses and he said, what would you like me to do? What would you have me to do in this moment? And Moses said, show me your glory. Now this was a curious response because Moses up until this point was again enjoying a relationship with God unlike anybody else had enjoyed. God was speaking to him as a man speaks to another man, friend to friend. What a powerful relationship that would be. Can you imagine how that would be? What a powerful relationship that was. But Moses was not content because there was a need deep inside of him to have a greater relationship with God, to be in greater fellowship with his spirit than what he had enjoyed up until this point. So as God spoke to Moses and said, what would you like from me? Moses said, show me your glory. In other words, Moses was saying, I'm thankful for what I've experienced so far. I'm thankful for what I've had up until this point, but I'm not content with it yet. There's a need that is greater inside of me. There's a drive that is greater inside of me. So show me your glory. Show me your glory. God spoke back to Moses and he said, there is a place by me. He said, you can't see my face and live, but there's a special place reserved for you by me. And Moses had to obtain that place. Moses had to get to that place. And the Bible says that he climbed the mountain by himself. 
He left everybody else below and he climbed that jagged rock, that cliff to get to the top of that mountain. He climbed as far as he could, fighting dehydration probably, fighting pain in his body and weariness. But there was a drive and a desperation inside of him to get to that place that God said was reserved for him. How desperate are we today for a moving of God's spirit unlike we've never experienced before? I'm here to proclaim to you that there is a place by him for you, but what are you willing to do to obtain it? How far are you willing to go? How desperate are you? And what lengths are you willing to go to for that, as the Bible describes, living water? I think again of David. As David was held up in the cave of Adullam during a time of battle against the Philistines, he said, oh, that the waters of the well of Bethlehem would be available to me. Oh, the well that dwelleth by the gate. He remembered what that water used to taste like. He remembered what it used to be like to drink from that water as a young man. So he, in his time of distress, desired that water. And so one of his men risked their life to go get it and bring it back to him. Now, this was natural water. But how much more should we desire that spiritual water? That new water that can flow each and every time in our service. And if David could risk his life for that, if he could become desperate for that, and if Moses could risk his life to climb up that cliff to get to that special place, how much more should we desire a moving of his presence? Because again, it is our greatest need. It's what the church needs in these last days. It's what we need in this final moment of time. So I pose the question, how desperate are we? How desperate are we? Amen. Jesus said, if any man thirst, good timing. Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. In other words, come and get it. My grandmother passed away last year, and she lived up in Coleman, Alabama. Anybody know where that is? All right, I got a few out there. She used to be the best cook. She cooked everything from scratch. And it was what most people would call poor, poor man's food. Chocolate gravy, tomato gravy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Salmon patties, and not fresh salmon, but straight from the canned salmon. <laughs> Somehow it tastes better. But she'd be in there cooking, and when it was time for dinner, she'd say, y'all come get it. And that meant dinner was ready. Y'all come get it. Well, Jesus here says, if any man thirst, y'all come get it. Come unto me and drink. He says it's available to you, but you got to come get it. You got to come get it. He said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Come and get it, he says. There's water available for you. It's your greatest need. You need it far beyond anything else in this life, but you've got to come get it. You've got to be thirsty enough. You've got to desire it enough. You've got to be desperate enough. Psalm 63 and 1. The psalmist said, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. The psalmist here is trying to draw a comparison to a thirsty 
person, a, a human being who is dying of thirst. If you can think of somebody in a desert place, somebody who is so thirsty that if they don't get a drink of that water, they will die. The psalmist is saying, in that same sense, my soul thirsteth for thee. I'm in a dry and a thirsty place. I'm in a land where no water is, and I need you. I need that water. I need that touch of your spirit. It's our greatest need, and without his spirit, we will dry up and die. We've got to get to a place where each and every service we come together. We cry out and we say, God, my soul thirsteth for thee. If you find yourself in a dry and thirsty land today where no water is, just cry out to him. He said, if you thirst, come unto me and drink freely. If you're thirsty this morning, if you're hungry for God, if you need a fresh touch of his spirit, if you need something far beyond what you've experienced and you're not satisfied, it's available. It's available to us, but how thirsty are we? How discontent are we? Are we in a unified effort and are we desperate enough to get it? What are we willing to fight through to obtain it? What are we willing to fight through to obtain that living water? You know, roots will grow towards the source. One of the coolest stories I ever heard was a friend of mine who his water had stopped working in his house. And you've probably heard this before, but when I heard it, it just was the most amazing thing to me. He could not figure out why the water in his house had stopped flowing and why his plumbing had stopped working. And he tried everything he could. He, he tried everything he could to fix it, brought out plumbers, and eventually he had to bring in the big guns. He had to get some contractors to come out, and they had to start digging. They had to start digging around the house and figure out what was going on. And they found the most amazing thing. They found that trees 50-plus yards away were drying up and dying and that the roots under the ground began to grow and to begin to go to that water source. And the roots were so desperate and so thirsty for a drink of water that it penetrated the pipes and it began to squeeze off that water source and break those pipes underground and it began to suck that water out begin to pull it out. How incredible it is if a tree can grow towards the water, it can be that desperate. How many obstacles will we break through for a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost? When we're thirsty, when we're desperate for it, how far would we be willing to go? That tree had to break through all that hard Florida clay, that North Florida clay to get through there and, and go across the street under, under the pavement and through a driveway to get to that water source in the spiritual sense. What would be, we be willing to fight through? What would we be willing to go through to get to our greatest need? And if our musicians would join us this morning, I'm getting ready to close here in a few moments. It is our greatest need, church, in these last days, a moving of the Holy Ghost. Now, you may ask the question, why do we need a fresh moving of the Holy Ghost? Why not just enjoy what we have so far? Well, first of all, the Holy Ghost, His Spirit, gives us peace. If you find yourself in a state of turmoil, if life is coming at you fast and hard and you don't know how you're going to survive, you need a supernatural peace. There have been times in my life and my wife's life where we needed peace. 
where a counseling session just was not going to get the job done, where reading a self-help book on how to go through pain and difficulty was not going to get the job done. When you lose a loved one, when you lose your job, when you are diagnosed with something unbelievable, the last thing you want to do is read a book on it and, and put in a tape, step one through three, on how to get through this. But church, we need a supernatural peace, and that is our greatest need in those moments. And only that is achieved through a moving of the Holy Ghost, His Spirit. Isaiah 28, 11, 12 says, For with stammering lips, speaking of the Spirit, and another tongue will He speak to, his, to this people, for whom He said, This is the rest, somebody say rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing Yet they would not hear. So here is a prophecy in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the prophet, saying of stammering lips. We understand this to be the moving of the Spirit. He said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. If you need rest here today, if you need peace in your home and in your life, and this Understand, this is the refreshing that you've been waiting for. This is the rest that you've been waiting for. It is with his Spirit. The Bible says that his spirit helps us pray. If you're having difficulty here today on what to pray for, you come to prayer meeting and you're just not sure how to pray. Romans 8:26 says likewise the spirit also what helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. If you need help in your prayer life, you need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. If you're struggling with your prayer life, I'm here to tell you your diagnosis is you need the Spirit. You need the Spirit in your life like you've never experienced before. Don't be content with your prayers up to this point. Like the woman at the well saying, what is greater than this? Man, we've had some great prayers. You probably have an incredible prayer closet, but God wants to take you to that next level. So you've got to achieve that through the Spirit. We must achieve it through the moving of His Spirit. The Bible says a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. His Spirit gives us power over the enemy. Isaiah 59, 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Whatever you're facing in life today, if you're going through temptation, if you're fighting vices of the enemy that have trapped you again and again and again, if it's the same attack in your mind that you've experienced week after week after week and you don't know how to shake it and get over it, I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord can raise up a standard against the enemy. But it's your greatest need. You can't accomplish it on your own. You can't accomplish it by yourself, but you've got to be thirsty for a fresh touch of his spirit. We can go out of this place the same way we came. We can walk out facing the same temptation that we faced walking in these doors. But if we want deliverance, if we want a new moving of his spirit in our lives, we've got to be thirsty. We've got to be desperate. And we've got to want it beyond anything else. The spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against that enemy. And just like Moses, there's a place...
for you by him. There's a place in his spirit that equals victory in your life, but you've got to be thirsty enough to want it. And last, but first, the Bible says his spirit gives us salvation. His spirit gives us salvation. I don't know your situation here today. Everyone here may have the Holy Ghost, but if you'll indulge me for just a moment, I'd like to remind us. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man what? Be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If you want to know what it takes to get to heaven, there's your key. You must be born again of both water and of spirit. We understand that being born of water is baptism in the name of Jesus. And what is being born of the spirit? Romans 8 9 says, Ye are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We see that Peter on the day of Pentecost fulfilled this prophecy Jesus spoke of in John 3 and 5, born of the water and spirit, when he said to the crowd in Jerusalem, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's being born of water when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, you want to know how to be born now of the Spirit? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's when God fills you with his Spirit. And that is evidenced first by speaking in another tongue. And then a continued life of living for his glory and for his pleasure. God wants to fill you if you've not been filled with his Spirit today. Now you may be sitting there. And you think, I've got the Holy Ghost, Brother Justin, so you checked it off your list. Well, no, we need a refreshing. We need a renewing as often as we can get. I don't want to become comfortable with how his presence feels. You know, if we are comfortable enough, we can ignore the moving of his spirit. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem just prior to his uh, crucifixion, they begin to lay down palm branches crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And as they were doing that, Jesus began to weep. He began to cry, enraptured with this praise and worship. He was crying. Why? He said, they know not the time of their visitation. They're going through the motions here. They're going through the motions because just in a little while, they're going to forget about me and they're going to crucify me. I don't want to forget about the time of our visitation when we come into his presence. I don't want to just get comfortable with it and go through the motions of raising my hands, clapping my hands when my favorite song comes, when it's time for prayer, just lifting a hand in prayer and praying for the prayer request. But I want to be thirsty for a fresh touch. I want to be thirsty for a fresh moving of his spirit. If you need the Holy Ghost this morning, whether you've received it before or not, it's available to you and we need it for salvation. If you'll stand with me this morning. As we get ready to sing, no matter where you find yourself at in life today, I propose to you that your greatest need is his spirit. Beyond anything else in this life that you can experience or achieve, your greatest need is his Holy Ghost moving in your life. Whether you need healing, whether you need salvation, you need peace, you need the joy of the Holy Ghost. And that's individually, but as a church, 
We need his spirit more than ever before. We need it in operation in our services every time the doors are open. We need a divine discontent, not to be comfortable with what we've experienced so far. But in a unified effort, we need to cry out to the Lord each and every time we come into his presence. God, meet us here. Let your spirit operate. Let your spirit move. So as we close this morning for a few moments, I wonder if you would lift your hands with me as we sing. And if we would just ask God to meet us where we're at. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.